Father, we love you and we adore you. Before the foundations of the earth, you have loved us. And before the foundations of the earth, your son fell in love with us. And your spirit fell in love with us. And together you made a path that is higher than we have comprehended, more rich, more beautiful, more accessible with ease than we have even dreamed. So spread your canopy over us, bridegroom of our heart. And draw us up. Quiet our minds and let our spirits soar into the throne room with you. And receive deep calls to deep from your heart tonight in a way that we have never received before. That we are so wide open, our spirit just soars with you. And we discover truth about you and ourselves we never knew, and a freedom and a joy and an overwhelming amazement of you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Recently, I read a quote that captured my spirit. It said, Somewhere. Something incredible is just waiting to be known. Somewhere, something incredible is just waiting to be known. And it's the understanding that in every moment, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are saying, can I I share this with you? you? You don't know this. Can I share this? And they're just waiting for us to open up. You see, the greatest heartache of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is separation. Even the most minute separation. I'm not talking like saved, unsaved. Even the smallest distance between our heart and theirs is, oh, they just long for it to be closed and to be in oneness. From Genesis to Revelation, it is one story of God going, can I be closer to you? Can I be closer to you? And all throughout scripture, there is this thread of God's calendar where he has orchestrated appointed times and seasons for the entire year. And when we're in sync with his calendar, we are doing the journey of Ezekiel 41, which is where Ezekiel's talking about the third temple that's to come in the age of the Messiah. And he spends time saying, but where the priests stay and you are the priest. There is a spiral staircase, which was unheard of in those days. He just saw it in a vision. That it would be a prophetic sign that the true priest of the Lord would never hit a ceiling and they would never stay the same. They would keep growing and growing 
and growing and growing. On God's calendar, we just closed out Purim two weeks ago, which is the story of Esther. So we are between the victory that Esther and the Jewish people had and Passover. And it's an appointed season for a very special purpose. After the Jews were free from the oppression and the threat of martyrdom, and they saw God's hand deliver them in the book of Esther, their faith was renewed. Their faith was renewed. The, the Being God's chosen people was renewed. Their identity went up in clarity and passion and oneness between Purim and Passover. And if you look at the life of Christ from Purim to Passover, he is proclaiming step by step with ever-increasing clarity his DNA and his identity. In those last few weeks, he was clear, I'm the son of God. I will be crucified. I will rise. The Father and I are one. And he was making definitive proclamations of this is my identity. This is my God-given DNA. And if we walk through scripture in the season between Purim and Passover is when the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit says, do you know your DNA? Can you come up higher and see more clearly who I made you to be? You see, maybe... 20, 21 years ago, I don't say these things often, so when he leads, it makes me nervous. Here's my confession. Um, it does. About 20 or 21 years ago, I was caught up, and I saw every time that the Father was looking at everyone on the earth, and he would go, <gasps> and with every breath, he saw a brand new way to express love that he had never expressed it before. And every time he had a brand new way to express love, a spirit was birthed. And then in the right timing, that spirit was put into a little baby and was carried to the earth. You were birthed out of the Father's heart like no one else. No one else is created to carry the love of Jesus to the earth like you. That's why legalism says you do it this way and this way. Because they want carbon copies. They don't understand the Father's heart is, no, 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 no. We are not many trying to be one. In the Father's heart, we are one, and he's trying to get us to bless one another to be many, to be unique. So you come to earth, and you have in you your God-given DNA the seed of it, so that then when you come to Christ, you will express Jesus to the world like no one else. Because Jesus is so massive, 
He is the majestic glory. No one person can carry his fullness in the earth and reveal it. He is many faceted. And then from the time you're a little baby on, this ungodly world begins trying to cover up your original DNA. Sometimes it's covered up through family wounds, scripts, family patterns. Sometimes what happens in peers, what circumstances you go through in life, what you're told about Jesus, what you're not told. It doesn't matter. The sources are infinite. But what the intention is of the enemy is when you're in this ungodly world to so cover up your God-given DNA that you will never know the joy of who you were really meant to be. And so our journey, once we come to Christ, is to get all that gunk out and off. We become, if you will, archaeologists of the soul. We dig this out, get this out, get this out. Oh, I believed this. Oh, I got hurt and put up this wall. Oh, I was. And while we all have many different ways to express his love, we all have the same call. And that is discover your God-given DNA and be that person. In Genesis 1, he said, in our image, be. And he's never taken that prophetic word away from you. It was his prophetic word over you. In my image, be. And Jesus said, Matthew 20, 28, I didn't come for you to serve me. I did not come for you to serve me. I came to serve you. And in this appointed season, we want to look at just one way he came to serve you. Because this one way is so powerful. Because he came to reach in to us. Our soul, our mind, our emotions, our past, our whatevers. And take them away from us. So that we could be free. Uncovering your God-given DNA isn't something you work at. It's something you're willing to receive. And say, Holy Spirit, give me the power to receive all the love Jesus has for me. And show me the things in me that the world has put in me. Because I want them out. I want to be a man. I want to be a woman whose personality is marked only by the Father's love. And that is your inheritance.
We're going to look at just one passage of scripture tonight. It's Isaiah 53. It is one of the few passages that within it are verb tenses that are past, present, and future. Saying that this message is for anyone, anytime, anywhere. To me, it's, um, it's one of the holiest passages in the Word of God. And maybe because he's carried so much away from me, it's hard for me to talk about it because I'm undone. I am undone with gratitude at the truth of this passage, for I have seen it true. Not just in my own life, but in a lot of people when I was in counseling practice or mentoring or ministry or overseas, I have seen him carry things away. A number of uh, years ago, he took me to Isaiah 53, and he began opening up the Hebrew and all the different meanings of the Hebrew and the Hebrew words. So I'm just going to read it to you. It's a lengthy passage. It's two pages of the word. But I pray because it's his word that it will be that beautiful, loving, tender, two-edged sword that separates between your soul and your spirit. That it will be that word of God that comes alive in you and all of a sudden you see Jesus with a depth and a wealth of compassion for him and a clarity of what he did for you personally. That you're just, well, it's something incredible that you've never seen before. Before I read it, let me set the stage for you. And during this season of Passover to Pentecost, you would hear me say this many times. If you open your Bible between the Old and the New Testament, you have to remember that was man's division, that was not God's. And if you can envision a cross between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the sun rising in the book of Revelation when the Messiah returns, and we see the cross in the New Testament, but the longest shadow of the cross is over the Old Testament. We know more about the cross from the Old Testament than the New Testament. In the New Testament, we have first account vision, eyewitnesses of it. And then we have a little bit about it here and a little bit about it here in Paul's writings, but nothing compared to the fullness of what the cross is described to be in the Old Testament. And we're just going to look at one of those passages tonight. And Isaiah, I would love to sit and learn from Isaiah, how did he, hundreds of years before the Messiah come, he knew he was going to be a baby. He knew it was going to be in Bethlehem. He knew the government would be upon his shoulders. He knew Isaiah 53 would happen. He saw it, but he also saw Isaiah 61 and the great freedom that would come. So when I read it, it's Isaiah saying, I see in this vision that in the time of Jesus, 
This is the way they will think about him. But I also see that for generations to come, there will be people on the earth who will think about him this way. But I see this is why he came. Isaiah 53. May the Holy Spirit open a well in you. And may you hear whatever was on the Spirit's heart when he dictated this to Isaiah. This is the fullness of the Hebrew, if you will. Who has believed, trusted in, relied upon, and clung to our message that was revealed by revelation? To whom has the arm of Adonai really been revealed? For the servant of Adonai, that's Jesus, grew up before him like a tender plant, a plant that sprung forth in life from a dead fallen tree like a root out of dry ground. And he came in a time of a people who were dry and barren in the living waters of Adonai. He had no beauty. He had no majesty or excellence. He had no glory that anyone wanted to look at him. There was nothing about him that caused them to long for him, to view him as precious and costly. He was, and he is, despised, rejected, and forsaken, seen as one with whom we should be totally unoccupied. He was and he is left, seen as a man of sorrows, a man of anguish and grief and deep pain. Intimately in all of his senses, he was acquainted with grief and anxiety and disease and sickness and weakness. He was and he is like one from whom men would hide their faces He was and he will forever be despised and hated and demeaned and regarded as the lowest of the low. Some will have an attitude of raging contempt at him. We did not see him. We did not appreciate or care about his worth. We had no esteem for him. We counted him unworthy of even the time of thinking about him. But surely, truthfully, with certainty and without dispute, he is born. He is lifted and put upon himself, carried off, and transported to a different location. Our griefs, our traumas, our anxieties, our calamities, our diseases, sicknesses, and weaknesses. He was made weak and sick and afflicted and infirmed and grieved so that he himself could become the prayer for us. He is taken upon himself and transported to another place and carried away from us our own anguish and sorrows and the deep pains of even our deserved punishments. But we we were ignorant. We ignorantly 
esteemed him as smitten and afflicted and pierced. We thought he had been beaten by God himself. We considered him as if he was leprous. We saw him like the river Moses struck and turned to blood. But he was wounded. He was pierced. He was perforated. The tearing of his nerves and muscles and joints with the most extreme physical pain possible. He was pierced like a wooden flute. He was wounded and pierced for our transgressions. Our revolt, rebellion, our willful deviation from the path of righteousness and our aggressive breach of relationship. He was bruised, cast down, humbled, crushed. He was broken into pieces, shattered with inconceivable extremes of inward emotional pain. For our iniquities, our actions, our sin and guilt, for the some consequences of everything we've done against God and others. And the chastisement, the correction, needful for our peace, our well-being, our wholeness, our total wealth of God's goodness, as if we had never done anything wrong, and our total healing, as if nothing had ever touched us. The price was all laid on him. And with the stripes that wounded him, left clearly delineated marks of wounds that could not be erased. We are repaired, mended, cured. We are healed completely and made whole. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've erred, we've wandered, we've staggered about, we've been seduced, deceived. Every one of us has chosen our own path, journey, and sometimes our own choice of what we worship. And the Lord has caused, intentionally allowed, to fall upon him, to weigh down upon him all the guilt, the iniquity, the perverseness, misery, penalty, and suffering of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, but he was submissive and did not even open his mouth. He did not make a sound or loosen utterance. He was like a lamb led to slaughter. You have within you this miraculous, unfathomable love gift of the DNA of God in you. As believers, it is in you. It is activated. The spirit is there. And the invitation of love is for that to be the whole of who you are. That your personality will only know the fingerprints of the Father's love. And your reactions and responses inwardly and outwardly will no longer show the effects of pains and wounds and insecurities. And that is salvation. 
a new creation. But we all know it doesn't happen all at once. But it happens bit by bit. The more we can believe his love and the more we understand carried away. You see, the truth of Isaiah 53 is you come and you say, Jesus, I, I want your DNA to be stronger in me than my personality. I want to know what it looks like when I carry the character of Christ to the world by the way you've made me. But there are parts of every one of our personalities he didn't make. They're results of hurts and pains and thoughts and prides and who knows what else. And Isaiah 53 is the picture of him coming to you and saying, here, what can I carry out of your soul? What, what's in your soul? What grief, what pain, what wall, what coping mechanism, what fear, what thoughts, what pride, what reliance, what, what, what's in your soul that's not free and it's not free to love? In the spirit, I've reached into your soul and I've carried everything into me and I've transported it to another location. So no matter what put it there and how long it's been there, it doesn't have to be a part of you any longer. But I will not take something you're not willing to let go. Now, least someone misunderstand. This is not a night about big-time repentance. This is a night of him going, please, can I love you? Please. It's like him kneeling before us and washing our feet and going, you know, going through this path in life has put some things in you that are putting a ceiling or, or you're still more cerebral with me or, but you're not spirit to spirit with me. Or it's still hard for you to love some people or you can be quick to judge or your walls up or you just whatever, whatever. He goes, I paid a big enough price for you to truly be a new creation and know. You see, when you know that the Father was looking over the world and, oh, I want to love him this way. Here, I'll create you. And you uncover that and you realize, this, this is the way I'm made to show love. It's almost impossible for an orphan spirit to be there. Because now you know I have the DNA of my father. I have the DNA of my father. And I carry this part of his heart. And Peggy carries a part no one else in the world ever has. And Chad carries a part no one ever has. And Tia does, and 
Rebecca and and so tonight is saying, can you believe? Can you believe he loves you this much? That he's saying, what, what would you like for me to lift out of you? Because I hold all time in me. So whether it's back three or four generations or whether it was this morning, I can reach in if you give me permission and not just lift out that situation. I can take out the consequences of it as if it never occurred. He is God. And he can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. And the truth is, this was the intent of full salvation. When Paul's talking about being a new creation, he's not talking about us getting saved and moving a little bit in the spirit and doing better than we did. And He's talking about this God-given DNA in us. We're It is like a bright light that shines, and everything that has tried to cover it up, he carried away as surely as he carried away that cross. And he's just waiting for us to agree. So you might go, Father, when this happened, I think it caused me to do this. So you speak the truth. Just like when two blind men came to him, they didn't come up and go, by faith we're healed, Jesus. Jesus said, what do you need me to do? He didn't assume. Blind men said, we'd like to see. He goes, okay, see. So you speak the truth. When you speak the truth to the Savior of truth, you receive his freedom of truth. You go, when this happened, I think this is in me. Or I'm struggling with this right now, and I don't know why I keep reacting that way. But whatever the root is, Jesus, will you carry it away from me? I I don't want it. It's grace, grace, grace. It's love. There's no condemnation, there's no shame, and there's no work. And it is written. In Hebrews 7, 25 and 26. Even now, this very moment, Jesus is interceding for us that we would receive the fullness of salvation. Dear ones, people of this earth, citizens of earth, are defined by the things they've been through. We're citizens of heaven. The things we've been through multiply our compassion, our wisdom, our poverty in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit because they let us know how desperately we need him, but they do not mark our identity. Nor do we carry even the smell of smoke upon us of what we went through. That is scripture. 
So, dear ones, he's just coming tonight to say, as your lamb, I paid the price for you. I'll carry away anything you want me to. In fact, I've already carried it away. And if you continued reading in Isaiah 53, it says that the Lord intentionally caused him to suffer. But out of his righteousness, many would be made righteous. And it's not just forgiven of sins. That righteousness is, <laughs> you're such pure light. And you know it's grace. Doesn't mean you're perfect. But it means when you mess up or whatever, you go, oh, Jesus, I don't know why I did that. Carry that tendency away from me. And then you've got brand new. There's no begging. It's just, Holy Spirit, give me the power to receive the love. Because faith works by love. So I want to invite you tonight. Take this seed, this heavenly love for you, who really desires you to be more peaceful, more fulfilled, more loving, more free, and see the beauty of yourself, and for you to really, with clarity, stand in amazement when you see him coming through you. And as we worship, communion is here. If you'd like to come and take communion and say, Lord, I receive that on your body you carried this away from me. And by your blood, I'm related to you now. 